Well, hello, Heritage. I want to welcome all of you to week two of He Still Moves Stones, a, a journey where we're unpacking some of the ongoing realities and implications of Easter. And it was last week that we spent some time just exploring the freedom that we have in Jesus. That when we receive new life through Him, through His death and resurrection, we are free. It's not that we can be free, we are free when we live into that freedom. When we don't live into that freedom that Jesus offers us, we can lose that freedom. Now, I'm not talking about losing salvation. I'm talking about losing freedom. And if you missed that conversation, you can find it at heritageqc.com under the media tab. But today, I want to move from talking about the reality of freedom to the power we have to live in that freedom. You see, Jesus didn't just rescue us for rescue's sake. He rescued us for more. He rescued us for his purpose, and that requires his power. Which again is why Easter is so stinking awesome. <laughs> because we can live in his power as a result of his presence. We can live in his power as a result of his presence. That's your first feeling if you're tracking along your sermon note guide. I encourage you to grab it, pull it out, use this as a helpful tool as we study God's word today. But the first feeling is just that, that we can live in his power as a result of his what? Presence. So let me just frame this a little bit for you as we begin. If you can just imagine or picture that this is us. And we as people have a, a, God, enough, a God who loves us enough to send his son. And so when Jesus came that very first Christmas and he was in that manger, he was Emmanuel, God with us. When he hung on the cross... Paying the penalty for our sins. He was God for us. And out of the grave, as a risen Lord, he seeks to be God in us. By his Holy Spirit. So the Spirit of God, through Jesus, what the sacrifice that Jesus made, positions us as people to live free, to be free, but also to have life. And the Spirit does that for us by giving us access to the presence of God and access to the power of God, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. When we don't understand how this works, we end up struggling and we end up living lesser lives. So today's conversation is all about how we actually do this. And I want to get right to it and look at one of the realities out of this. In fact, it was a guy named Paul who was a missionary and church planter that God used to do a number of things. He also used him to write much of the New Testament. He wrote in a letter to a young leader named Timothy these words. He said, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Not a spirit of fear, but one of what? Power. Power and love and self-control. Now, there's a number of things we can pull out of that one sentence. There's a shout-out to the freedom we have in Jesus in the arena of self-control. There's also a connection back to what Easter's all about. It's not about a death leading to a resurrection. It is about a love leading to a rescue. But then there's this indication of power. Power. Now, the word that, that Paul uses here is the Greek word dunamis. It's dunamis. Say that with me. Dunamis. Okay, that was horrible. Oh, that was bad. Listen, here, here, let me help you out. Do not miss the opportunity to say dunamis. 
It's that fun. So, Bettendorf, get on this with us. Here we go. Ready, say, dunamis. All right, there we go. Dunamis is power. Here's what it's defined as. Power, mighty work, strength, miracle. But here's the deal. It's also the inherent power, power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature or, nature or which a person or thing exerts and puts forth. That's dunamis. And dunamis speaks to the kind of life we can have through Jesus by his Holy Spirit. We can have freedom and power. We can live life to the full. We can forgive the unforgivable. We can persevere in difficulty and hardship. We can step away and break habits. We can love the unlovable. We can live life to the full. We can live in his power as a result of his presence. Now, you may be familiar with something else that Paul wrote in a different letter to the church in Philippi. Here's what he said. He said, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me what? Strength. That's a great verse, and and you may have found encouragement from that verse along the way, and that's good because we all want and need strength. But the word that Paul uses here in the Greek is endunamao, and endunamao comes from the word dunamo, which is coming from the root word dunamis. And so we're really talking about power, not strength, inherent power that God gives, God doesn't give just strength. Strength fades. His power does not. And we can live in his power as a result of his presence, but we need to know and understand how we do that. You see, when we choose to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, there are just certain things that we are just now able to do because we belong to Jesus. In our identity in him, we can approach God with confidence. That's a beautiful, wonderful thing. We can choose not to sin We can have a way out in temptation. We can even represent him in this life. As a new creature in Christ, we can think and move and act, not with fear, but power and love and self-control. We we simply can do those things because we are in Christ. We are identified with him. We've been adopted into the family. But then there are some other pieces that actually require more than just identification. They require prayer. They require prayer because power and presence are linked to prayer. Power and presence are linked to what? Linked to prayer. So if we come back over here, this is what that means. It is prayer that ultimately connects the presence of God and the power of God in our life. It's prayer. When we don't know how to engage in prayer, then we don't understand the reality of his presence and power intersecting with our life. And that's where people end up living lesser lives. When we don't understand that prayer connects us to his presence and his power. There's a really great moment in the public ministry of Jesus where he took Peter, James, and John. Those guys were like the inner circle of the 12 disciples. And they went up onto a mountain. And in that mountain moment, those three guys got to see Jesus chilling and hanging with Moses and Elijah. It's like this crazy cool moment. It was so cool that Peter's like, let's set up some tents and just stay here forever. This is awesome. And Jesus is like, no, we got to go. We got work to do. And they got to head back down the hill and they're approaching the nine other disciples he left behind and they see there's a group around them and they're arguing with the group because the disciples couldn't heal a boy that was brought to them. In fact, the father says to Jesus, I brought this, my boy to your disciples and asked them to heal and they couldn't. Your servants could not. And Jesus ends up healing that boy But in a later private conversation, those nine disciples come to Jesus and say, hey, why couldn't we do that? 
And Jesus ends up explaining. He basically says, you know, some things just don't happen or are not realized apart from prayer. Some things are just not realized apart from prayer. Because the power and presence of God are linked to prayer. They're linked to prayer. In fact, a lack of prayer leads to a lack of dunamis power, which leads to a lack of results. They're connected because there are just some things that are not realized apart from prayer. Prayer is the link to the presence and power of God intersecting in our life. And prayer is the greatest privilege on earth. Greatest privilege on earth. Now, I want to be clear about what Paul is talking about when he talks about the dunamis power of God. He is not talking about acquiring the dunamis, dunamis power of God. He's talking about engaging the dunamis power of God. Because when we, when we receive Jesus as Savior and Lord, we ask him to be Savior and Lord in our life, he gives us his presence and he gives us his power by his Spirit. When we give Jesus leadership and lordship in our life, he is present and his power is available. But many people never live fully into that. They never really engage his power and end up living lesser lives. See, when we find ourselves in a situation where we're, we think we're not able, where we, we say we can't, we've reached our limit, these are moments that are often good indications or signs of a lack of power. When people see inability and say, your servants can't, that's a good indication of a lack of power, which can be an indication of a lack of prayer. Because a lack of prayer leads to a lack of dunamis power, which leads to a lack of results. But when we pursue his presence through prayer, we experience God-sized results in this life by his power. Power and presence are linked to prayer. When we get to the point where we say, you know what, I can't. I, I, I can't give any more grace. I can't forgive anymore. I can't, I can't persevere and resist the temptation. I've got to give in to that thing. When that happens in our life, that's a great indication that we are not living in his power as a result of his presence. When you lack peace, when you struggle with worry and fear, when, when, when you say you just can't do it any longer, you just have to indulge yourself in that thing, that's a great indication that you're not living in his power as a result of his presence. When you can't recover, when you can't heal from a wound, when you can't persevere, when you can't endure, when you can't live in freedom, you are not living in his power as a result of his presence. Power and presence are connected by prayer. And we live in his power as a result of his presence in our life. You know, God is not a God who's cruel, where he asks us to do something that he's not willing to help us do, or to be something he's not willing to help us be. He is for us. He's for you. He, he wants your good. He wants your success, your joy, your pleasure. He'll do anything to see that realized, including offering up the life of his son. Now, I'm a father, and I have two boys, and I would do anything for those boys, if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. Here's a picture of my family. Beth and I have our two sons, Joshua and Daniel, 19 and 16 years old. They have grown a lot since I first held them on my forearm in the hospital. But I have loved them from the very beginning. 
And I have been committed, if I could ever take their sickness that they had to endure, to comfort them when they struggled, to defend them against wrongs, to carry them when they were weak, to give of my time and my treasure, to give my very life to them. And if, you know, if you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But if I, as a human father, am willing to do that, how much more is our Heavenly Father willing to do so that we can experience life? His presence and His power. See, when we, when we pray, the presence of God and the power of God intersect in our lives. It's relationship and kingdom that intersect in our lives. And those can't moments in our life are gone. They're removed by the fact that his presence and power are at work in us. Now, how we approach prayer is key. It, it has to have priority. It has to have a sense of, of urgency or a reality that we pursue prayer first. But beyond priority, it needs to have an element of what posture we take. And the posture we take in, in prayer should be one of humility. So there is a priority and there is a posture. But beyond that, there's also an element of persistence. That we persist in prayer. So with a, with a priority and with the right posture, and as we engage in persistence, we position ourselves. But there's a fourth P, and that's power. But this is different than the other three. It's unique. It's the only one that we don't establish. We receive. See, we can establish priority, and we can assume a posture, and we can engage in a persistent manner. But power is something we receive. And it comes from authority. And it comes from a name. And that name is Jesus. It's Jesus. See, divine power is only available in Jesus' name. The divine power of God is only available in Jesus' name. It's in his name. His authority comes through Jesus his name, that dunamis power, is available. And we need to know the name, but sometimes we forget the name. And that always has implications. It reminds me of a story of a, an older couple who had an opportunity to, to grab some lunch with a, another couple that have been friends, lifelong friends, an older couple as well. And after lunch, they decided to go on a walk. And the two men were out ahead of the two ladies who were engaged deeply in a conversation about the value of anti-aging creams. But as the two men walked ahead of them, the, one, the first man said, you know what, we just went to a restaurant this past week that was awesome. It had great service, had great food, it was a romantic setting. I really encourage you to take your wife to that place. The second man said, well, that's, that's great. What is it? Where is it? And the first man thought for a moment, and he said, you know, I married late in life, and I've married to the same woman for 50 years, but I'm realizing that, that my memory isn't what it used to be, and I'm going to need your help. Second man said, no problem, what do you need? Well, he said, the first man said, what, what's the name of that fancy flower? Man said, you mean a lily? No, 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 the one that ladies like. Oh, you mean an orchid? No, 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 it's not an orchid. It's, it's usually it's, it's red with, with thorns on it, and men give it to their sweethearts on Valentine's Day. The second man said, oh, you're talking about a rose. First man said, yeah, that's it, a rose. And then he turned around and looked at his wife and said, hey, Rose, what was the name of the restaurant I went to this past week? You need to know the name of your spouse. <laughs> but if we're ever going to experience the dunamis power of God, we need to know the name of Jesus. 
the name of Jesus. The presence and power of God are linked in prayer, which are linked to the name of Jesus. And dunamis power is only available in Jesus' name. Only in his name. It's a matter of identity. It's a matter of authority. It's reflected in his name. It's the name by which we pray, and it's the name by which we're saved. In Acts chapter 2, we can read this. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Calling on the name of the Lord will be saved. Dunamis power is only available in Jesus' name. So let's go back to the definition of dunamis for a moment. It is by virtue of its nature, by virtue of his nature, because of Jesus' inherent nature, we can put forth, we can exert the same power on his behalf in his name. In his name. There is nothing, there is no value, no hope, no power apart from the name of Jesus. Everything is less apart from his name, but oh so much more with it. So let's look at an example of this. If you've got a Bible, I'd love for you to grab it and turn with me to the book of Acts in the New Testament. The book of Acts chapter 3. We're picking up the storyline where Jesus has returned back to heaven. He's given the, the great commission. And those two guys, two guys are up on the mountain moment with, with Moses and Elijah and Jesus. Two guys that were engaged in the great commission and, and were there when Jesus explained some things don't happen apart from prayer. Their names were Peter and John. And they're out engaging in that great commission, talking about Jesus, sharing the good news about who he was and is. When a man who had been born lame was being carried into the temple as Peter and John were walking towards the temple. When the man saw Peter and John, he yelled out to them, he called out to them for money. And in that moment, Peter and John both turned and looked directly at him. In fact, Peter says to the guy very emphatically, look at us, look at us. And the man does, and he's expecting to get something from them, expecting to get money. And here's what Peter says to him in Acts chapter 3, starting with verse 6. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. I love this moment. I can just picture it in my mind. The dude has not ever been able to walk. Suddenly he can walk, and he can't contain himself. He's bouncing around like Tigger, and he's following these guys into the temple. It's a beautiful moment. But beyond the healing that this man experiences is the beauty of what Peter demonstrates. It's the power in the name of Jesus. That the authority of Jesus' name commands power. It's the authority of Jesus' name that commands power. It's not an empty, hollow belief. It's not false. The resurrection of Jesus changed everything for all time. It affects us today. It gives us freedom and power and healing. And we're going to talk more about that next week as we continue our He Still Moves Stone series, looking at the reality of healing in our life. Because the authority of Jesus' name commands power. Power. Now, what Peter and, and, and John did kind of upset a few people. The priests, the temple guard, the Sadducees, they were not happy. They didn't even like Peter and John because of who they were, what they taught, what the influence they had, and certainly the power they demonstrated. In fact, the Sadducees, they, they didn't even believe in the afterlife. They, they didn't even believe in a resurrection. So because Peter and John were teaching about a life after death, they had him arrested, had him thrown in jail, and they spent the night in jail. 
until the very next day, they have them brought before leaders, some of the very same people who not long ago condemned Jesus. And they want to call them to account. Here's what happens, and we're jumping over into Acts chapter 4, starting with verse 5. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, by what power or what name did you do these? By what power, what name did you do this? I encourage you to underline and highlight power and name. They're basically saying, who told you to do this? By what authority? By whose name? They want to understand and know what's really going on there. But then there's no discussion about the cool and awesome thing that the guy who's lame can now walk. This is totally an inquiry. Just they're, they're interrogating them. They want to know by what power, by what name. Now it's practically the same question. Because in their minds, the power resided in the name and the name represented the character of the person. And in that moment... Peter answers, and here's what he says, verse 8. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other, what? Name. There is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Oh, man, this is a beautiful declaration, but it was not a popular one. This did not go over well. I mean, Peter didn't just, he just didn't give a half-baked answer. He said, this, it is by Jesus' name. And he didn't just merely say that Jesus is a way of salvation. He says that Jesus is the only way of salvation. And this was not a popular answer. But the deal is, there is no salvation. There is no life. There is no freedom. There is no power apart from the name of Jesus. Dunamis power is only available in Jesus' name. You know, there was a, a Chinese author and, and house church planting movement leader in China. His name was Watchman Ni. And he actually spent the last 20 years of his life in prison for his faith. He died in prison. But here's one of the things that he wrote. He said, no one can be saved without knowing the name of Jesus. And none can be effectively used of God without knowing the authority of that name. We've got to know the name of Jesus to be saved. We've got to understand the authority of Jesus to live in the freedom and the power and that life to the full that he invites us into. We've got to know the name and the authority. That, that was true for Peter and John. It was true for Watchman Nee. And it's true for us today. You know, the, the followers of Jesus in the first century, man, they, they did a lot of pretty cool things. They, they drove out demons. They, they healed sickness. 
They proclaimed the good news in a manner where thousands responded to it, all in the name of Jesus. That's pretty cool stuff. But before you're tempted to write this off as something special and specific for Peter and John, or to think it's unique to a different time and discount it for the relevance for us today, I want you to consider what Jesus himself said about his name. He said a lot, but let me just share three things Jesus said. The first comes from John 14. He said, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. That's John 14. In John 15, he said this, you did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. John 15. Here's John 16. I tell you the truth. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. In his name. This is a reality that the name makes a difference. The name makes all the difference. It's not a magic word. It's not just a trump card. It's not just an emergency lifeline. It's not the bookends in prayer where it's the, it's the salutation and the valediction. To pray in the name of Jesus is to bring to bear by our own relationship with him the divine power of our Lord who has conquered sin and death. To pray in his name is to bring to bear the divine power of our Lord who conquered sin and death. That's no small thing. That's incredible. It's so significant. His name is so significant that John, the guy who was up on the mountain, the guy who was there when the lame man was healed, the guy who ran to the tomb on Easter morning and leaned in, when he wrote the book of the Bible that bears his name, the book of John, here's what he said about everything he wrote in that book. He said, but these are written, everything in the book of John, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his what? His name. In his name. Look, let's, let's move this to so what. Like, why are we digging into this? Why are we talking about this? Let me be really clear. This is not name it, claim it. The idea that we just speak something into being, it just happens. That is not true. The, the reality of the power that God gives to us, it is not about us. His power is not about us, it's about him. And too many people try to use it for their gain rather than for his glory. For their own gain rather than his glory. But his power at work in us is not about us, it's about him. And it positions us to live life to the full. And to live sent. And to usher in kingdom realities everywhere we go. In every relationship, in every space every moment of every day. Because the name we live by matters. The name you and I live by matters. I'm not talking about a family name. I'm not talking about a business name. I'm talking about the name, the authority that you live by, that you live life by. The leaders asked Peter and John a very similar question. Whose name do you live by? Jesus' name is not just letters and syllables. It's not just a word or a sound but the symbol of God's nature, his spirit, and his presence. And God gave his son that name, Jesus. Through an angel who relayed it to Joseph. 
And Jesus knew that. In fact, prior to the crucifixion, Jesus was praying and talking to God, and here's what he said. It's recorded in John 17. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. He's talking about his followers, disciples. And I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. It matters. The name we live by matters. And in Jesus, we're not slaves. We're free. We're not powerless. We have been given power. We're not people stuck in things we wish we would, could stop doing. We have power. Yet too often, I think we cling to things of the world to have power, to feel power. It could be our job. It could be our relationships. It could be that habit we take some kind of comfort in because we feel like we have some control in it. And when we do that, we live by other names. And, and, and each of those are poor substitutes. And they even become idols. It's the name that matters. The name we live by matters. Second thing is, to know the name of Jesus is to be identified with him. To know the name of Jesus is to be identified with him. You know, what happened next in that Acts 4 moment where we left Peter and John helps shed some light on this. And this is going into verse 13 of that same chapter. When they saw the courage, those would be the leaders that were interrogating them. When, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with who? With Jesus. To know the name of Jesus is to be identified with him. To be one with God as Jesus was one with God. That's no small thing. And it's the dunamis power of God and the authority that go with the name of Jesus that allows that to happen. Where the power and the presence intersect in our lives. And he says, he says, pray, pray in my name. Not, not using it as a magic word, but rather be so close to me that you are identified with me, that you are one with me. And I wonder if your prayer life is marked by that. If you have that. You know, that intimacy is available through a simple prayer. It's not a scripted prayer, but it's a prayer that has certain and specific elements to it. In fact, it's on the back of your sermon note guide at the very top are three specific steps where we, we admit that we, like everybody else, are sinners, where we ask God to forgive our sins, and then we say yes to God by trusting Jesus as our Lord and Savior. You can do this today. There's an example prayer that you can pray. And when you do, you receive forgiveness. You, you also receive the gift of eternal life, and you begin to walk with God, identified in Jesus. And to know the name of Jesus is to be identified with him. But then finally, when it comes to this power, God doesn't give a power he gives the power. He doesn't give just any old power. He gives the power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's stinking awesome. That's amazing. Paul described it this way in Ephesians. He said, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. God doesn't give a power. He gives the power. And there's lots of powers in the world. There's government. There's, there's armies. There's leadership. There's machines and electricity. There's all kinds of power up there, but none of them compare to the dunamis power of God. 
None of them. And God doesn't give a power, he gives the power, the power that raised Jesus from the dead. So that our lives, so our lives are marked by that power and we can live life to the full. Now I want to give a word of caution when it comes to pursuing his power. We really need to be careful not to seek his power more than his presence. Not to seek his power more than his presence. He's not a, a supernatural vending machine in the sky giving out good things. That's not who God is. God is not a resource for some good things. He is the source of all good things. And we need to seek his presence, not just his power. If all we do when we approach him and pursue him is to seek his power, we seek answers, you're likely not to get those answers. But when you seek his presence in prayer, then he imparts his power And you find the answers as well. Be careful not to pursue his power more than his presence. So all that being said, whose name defines your life? Whose name defines your life? Whose authority defines your life? When when we identify ourselves with Jesus, he brings freedom, he brings hope, he brings healing, he brings power. Satan fears the name of Jesus. That name gives hope. It reconciles relationships. With it, we can effectively reach into dark places in this world. We can stand in the spiritual battle, and we can ask of God in that name. His power does not come through religious tradition or family affiliation. It comes only through Jesus. All dunamis power, only through Jesus. So, whose name defines your life? You know, I think there's actually two ditches in this conversation. One side is that we, we let another name define our life. It may be a habit. It may be a person. maybe some other power. That's one ditch. The other ditch is where we misuse the name of Jesus, where we, out of selfishness, seek only our gain and not his glory. But also in this ditch is living in a defeated mindset. I've seen far too many believers, people who follow Jesus, live in a defeated posture, where they say, woe is me, I'm just a poor believer who's suffering for Jesus in an evil world. That may sound noble and may sound true, but it's not. We are not defeated. We are victorious. He who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. And by his power, we persevere. We're empowered to overcome brokenness and injustice in this world by his power. By his name, all things are possible. We can overcome that habit. We can overcome that difficulty. We can persevere and thrive through that loss by his dunamis power. Because we can live in his power as a result of his presence. But you've got to decide whose name you live by. No one can decide that for you. That's an individual decision. One that you have to make. But you can live in his power as a result of his presence by the name of Jesus and him alone. Pray with me, would you? Heavenly Father, I I thank you that in a world marked by difficult, painful, even evil things, that you still love and you still pursue and you still make a way. I thank you that you rolled away the stone in front of Jesus' tomb and you set him free and And because of the freedom he has, we can have freedom. Because of the power he has, we can have power. And I pray, Father, that today we would live in that freedom. 
and we would live life to the full by the power you give through your spirit. Lord, I pray that you would forgive us for when we have not pursued your presence or your power. Maybe we've depended on other things. We've relied on other things. We held to things of this world as a source of power when really there is no power apart from your son's name. Forgive us for those moments, Lord. Help us to pursue your presence and your power as we engage in prayer with you. Help us not just to pursue your power, but to pursue your presence for your glory and not just our gain. Lord, I thank you that you want to define our life by the name of your son, Jesus. And I pray for anyone here today who has not yet received Jesus as Savior, that in these moments they would hear your love communicated to them by your spirit, that you would whisper what you see in them and who you call them to be, and they would give their life to him. And then, Father, we would all live in the strength, in the power, in the dunamis power of Jesus' name for your glory. May we do that, Father. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.